Welcome to the Gut Doctor Podcast, where Dr. Neil Parikh describes GI disorders and answers common questions related to the GI tract. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Gut Doctor Podcast. It's March, and that means Colon Cancer Awareness Month. In the spirit of raising CRC awareness, today I'm going to do, t- do something different. I'm going to talk colon cancer, but rather than a monologue here, I'm going to try to do this podcast in bullet points. Let's see if it works out how I envision. Um, time will tell. Let's get to it. Point number one, the eye-opening raw numbers. According to the American Cancer Society, close to 150,000 people are diagnosed with colon cancer every year in the United States. CRC, or colorectal cancer, is the second most common cause of death in the United States and the third most common cause of cancer death worldwide. In the U.S. alone, 50,000 people die annually from colorectal cancer. And all these numbers are from a few years back, and I worry that with the COVID pandemic, this has likely set us back even further in terms of cancer screening and colon cancer screening. Point number two, risk factors. The likely number one risk factor is genetics. If you have a family history of colon cancer, speak with your medical provider now. Race can play a role as African-Americans have higher CRC rates. There are gender differences as men have higher CRC mortality than women. Other diseases such as inflammatory bowel disease, which is Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, can also raise your colorectal cancer risk. Like all other cancers, smoking tobacco and moderate to heavy alcohol use increase the risk of colorectal cancer. What about dietary risk factors? Well, obesity increases both the risk of getting colorectal cancer and dying from colorectal cancer. And finally, according to the World Health Organization, processed red meat is a carcinogen. While that's a jarring statement, and I do not want to discount the WHO, it is important to remember that a lot of these dietary studies, and some that we will talk about later, are all observational in nature. So they're not cause and effect. Point number three, protective factors, meaning can we prevent colon cancer? Well, yes. Modern medicine has multiple modes of colon cancer screening, and we're going to get into that in a later point. But can we, meaning me and you, do things in our daily life to prevent colon cancer? I believe the answer is yes. As you know from my Food as Medicine series, I think we can change a lot of our clinical outcomes based on what we consume in our diet. Of course, we know smoking, drinking, and central obesity hurt our chances with colon cancer. But there are also some observational studies that suggest certain protective foods or dietary changes. Fruits, vegetables, fiber, and fish all seem to have some favorable data. Omega-3 fatty acids and some vitamins may also help. There was a lot of buzz over garlic a few years back as well. Coffee, a personal favorite of mine, unfortunately has had conflicting data. But the take-home message here is that there are dietary choices we make each day that can likely help us in preventing colon cancer. 
Point number four, 45 is the new 50. I know all of our medical listeners know this by now, and I bet many of our non-medical listeners do as well. 45 is the new 50. The American Cancer Society led the way for this change a few years back, and subsequently, all major GI organizations and the United States Preventive Task Force in 2020 adopted this guideline. Why the change? Well, for years, many of us gastroenterologists had unfortunately one too many anecdotes of finding advanced colon cancer in younger adults. The literature supported these anecdotes. In fact, according to the American Cancer Society, a millennial has doubled the risk of CRC compared to someone born in the 1950s. And this risk quadruples when one only looks at rectal cancer. If you've heard me say this before, it's because I repeat it all the time. I find it so alarming that I repeat this statement every interview I give. These are crazy numbers. Double the risk for CRC. Quadruple the risk for rectal cancer. The National Society saw these numbers, and now we have CRC screening at 45. Point number five. Why is screening important? Effective colon cancer screening allows us to find colorectal cancer in those who have no symptoms. And data suggests that when colorectal cancer is found at early stages in patients with no symptoms, there is a very high survival rate. Symptoms often, unfortunately, mean advanced disease. Now you may ask, what are the symptoms? Well, I caution you, this gets tricky. The symptoms are very nonspecific which means if you have experienced one of these, you could simply be suffering from food poisoning or indigestion or a viral GI bug. The symptoms can represent a whole spectrum of GI conditions from those that are completely harmless and will resolve on their own to those that need to be urgently addressed. My job in this episode is just to highlight some symptoms. Your job is to speak about any of these symptoms with your medical provider, and then each individual case should be addressed. A symptom we commonly discuss with our patients is a change in bowel habits. Now, I am confident that every listener has at some point in their life had a change in their bowel habits. However, if your change is persistent, for example, it does not resolve on its own after a day or two, then speak with someone. If your bowel habits have changed and you also have some rectal bleeding or you've been notified of low blood counts, then speak with your medical provider right away. Other symptoms also include abdominal pain or unintentional weight loss. Again, these are all nonspecific, and I don't want to alarm any of you listening today if you have these symptoms, but if you do have them, speak with your doctor or speak with your provider. Unfortunately for many patients who have colon cancer, they have no symptoms whatsoever, which brings us back to why colon cancer screening is so vital. My sixth and final point. How do you get screened and does it matter? When I give this talk to the primary care community, I tell them that I don't want to sound like a car salesman trying to convince which car is better. So I'm not going to tell you which colon cancer screening test to choose. Instead, I'm going to explain how they are different from each other. And then you can decide. A lot of it depends on what your goal is as a patient or medical provider. If your goal is to detect colon cancer, then you have options. You have stool tests that look for blood 
and stool tests to look for DNA markers. These kits can be obtained from your local lab or mailed to you and provide a non-invasive option that can be done from the comfort of your home. You can even consider a CT scanning for colon, though this does typically require an extended bowel preparation or cleanout. If your goal or your medical provider's goal is to prevent cancer by removing the precursors to colon cancer known as colon polyps, then the only modality that can do this is a colonoscopy. A colonoscopy is the only option that is both preventive and detective. It is also the only modality that has the potential to be therapeutic, meaning the colonoscopy can not only detect the colon cancer, but the gastroenterologist may also be able to remove the colon cancer during the same initial screening test. This ability for the colonoscopy to be preventive, detective, and possibly therapeutic make it the preferred option by many national medical societies. But in my opinion, each screening modality has its positives and negatives, and it is important to discuss these with your medical provider or gastroenterologist. In the end, the best screen test is the one that you will actually do. Any colorectal cancer screening is better than no colorectal cancer screening. That wraps up another episode in the Gut Doctor podcast. Again, as March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month, please take a moment to ask your loved ones if they have been screened. Thank you for taking the time to subscribe and listen to our podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Neil Parikh, and stay well. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gut Doctor podcast. For additional information about today's topic, please visit ConnecticutGI.org. Your feedback is important to us, so please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Stay tuned for more episodes of The Gut Doctor, and if you think you may need to see a gastroenterologist, just trust your gut.